bravery is there in the way they played. And what about Peter O'Mahony? I just oh, thought a sensational performance. Yeah. Jack O'Donoghue and Hodnett, the three of them in the back row. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Delighted to say David Myler is with us to look back at the weekend's football and ahead tonight as well. David, good morning to you. How are you getting on? Good morning, gents. Um, <laughs> I think we should start with the relegation battle because what looked like it was going to be fairly pedestrian has exploded into life over the last few weeks. Burnley sacked Sean Dyche and we all thought, well, that's a panic move and uh, they've won their last three games and they've looked pretty good. Uh, it looked for a while like Everton were just going to go out with a whimper and all of a sudden there's life in the old dog yet. Leeds who looked safe four or five weeks ago are um, are crashing to earth really quickly. So um, there's a world now where it looks like both Burnley and Everton might survive. It does. Um, obviously, you know, Burnley winning and then Everton playing Chelsea. You kind of, I did watch Chelsea against United and I thought they'd lack that clinical edge and you saw Tuchel talking about it after saying, you know, they got into great areas um, a decisive pass, whatever. And you kind of, it's been this, like, it's very difficult to criticise Chelsea because they won the Champions League last year, but you knew that they needed that number nine to, you know, put the ball in the back of the net. They signed Lukaku. That's been one of the worst signings in Premier League history. Um, and even when they went to, you know, Everton, of course, Everton now are going to get, you know, they, they have to rally behind the, the group. Um, but Chelsea just kind of look flat. They're in no man's land, kind of, they've kind of nailed down third. Yes, they've got, you know, they've had cup final to play against Liverpool. But it was it was kind of one of those Everton just had to take the fight to them. Um, you've seen with the scenes outside the ground, with the fans kind of making it this incredible atmosphere. Um, the whole stadium was bouncing, and you know the players responded to that. And you know, it was it was a hell of a performance. And you know their home form has been all right um, all season, um, and that's what's you know inevitably going to keep them up if they are going to stay up. They have to get points good as in Park and um, they've got some winnable games there and I think they've got Watford away as well. Um, so like Leeds now, Leeds are under serious pressure. Um, you know, Burnley, like you said, have won some games. So it is it is, it is, is tightening up. Um, I know Everton have the game in hand. If they could get three points in that, it just, you know, Leeds, Leeds are the one that's on, you know, the descend, they're on the way down um, and they could get caught out. It's almost impossible to stop one of those runs at this stage of a season when you're in it. Like, we've seen great escapes in the past. Yeah, Villa when they had Grealish, like, they went on a run like Burnley are on at the moment. And it's more easy to maintain one of those crazy runs than it is to actually arrest the pattern that Leeds are in at the moment. Is that fair? Um, yes and no. Um, because there's a reason why you are down the bottom of you know, the table. Um, you've not been able to you know, win games. So, albeit Burnley have, you know, you'd say turn the corner with their, with, you know, with the wins that they've had. Um, Everton obviously winning. Both teams are very capable of going out and not performing again. Of course, I know they're fighting for their lives. I've been in similar, similar situations where you do get a result and you kind of think, okay, we can we can reproduce this. But every game is slightly different. You know, whether it be the time of kickoff, traveling away, what ground you're playing at, etc. So, like, I don't, like, you look at, the best example is Everton. You know, you're looking kind of where has that performance been, you know, for a long time, um, you know, and don't get me wrong, I know Frank has, you know, kind of changed up the style that was highlighted in Monday Night Football. Um, but Everton are capable of going and not putting in another good performance. Likewise, Burnley, Leeds, 
of course, look, they're playing Manchester City, um, which is always difficult. But it's it's so difficult to say you can continue this run of form, but it 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 just doesn't work like that. And you know, you have to, you know, it's the the oldest and worst cliche in football. They have to take one game at a time. Now Everton have the game in hand, they can sort that out and kind of get a result. Then the pressure will start to crank on the other teams. Now it's better to be going into your next game in good form, but it, it, it really does kind of go out the window. You have to take each game on its merit and, you know, you have to go up against your opponent. You have to give it everything. Uh, what what does a, a performance like that actually do to the mindset of Everton where um, everybody's written you off? It feels like it feels like the situation is desperate and then all of a sudden something happens. You get a bit of a spark. You get that performance. The fans, I think it's really important. Like uh, watching Seamus Coleman speak afterwards about, you know, his entire career there at Goodison Park and rarely experiencing an occasion like that it's so it's so weird that I, but you know when when crisis happens the community comes together and if they dig it out from here uh, who knows what will happen but um, what what does something like that do to a dressing room does it supercharge everybody or like because you obviously and the cliche is true about game to game does it do nothing in some ways either I think it it, it does a lot it's like it's like any walk of life. Um, like you look at it now, obviously, it's Tuesday morning or whatever. If, if you have a good weekend, you know, you have a nice time or whatever, whatever job you're in, you go in Monday morning, you're kind of refreshed and you're looking forward to the week. You know, when you're when you're in a slump, it's, it's difficult to, you know, come out of that. Certainly, you know, that's no different to, you know, professional football. You look at Everton, you know, when they've had tough results, going into training on a Monday morning, trying to prepare for a game. Everyone's a little bit flat. You know, they're, you're kind of, you're thinking, oh, are we ever going to be able to turn this around? There's moaning, there's groaning, you know. But when you get a win like that, the lift, you know, like, as you said there, when Seamus spoke after, you know, the fans are going, how oh, I'm happy. They're probably hanging around after to, you know, the, the parents who brought their kids to meet players. There's that little bit of a buzz. There's that bit of a lift. And then the players come into training, you know, to start the next week looking forward to the next game where you you're just on it and you're you're happy to be there you're not looking around going oh my god we could be relegated this is going to be the end of the world or whatever you kind of there's that buzz and a kick you know it can kickstart you no everything have to go and do that again in the next game they have to kick on again and you know reproduce a performance like that and get a result like you just even watching Chelsea the other day I never felt like it was one of those games you know we 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 as you know, former professionals, you look back and you always have those moments. I often highlight, you know, the Wales game when we played away with Ireland. I never felt like Wales were going to score. I, I, even looking at that the other day, I know Pickford had, you know, an incredible save he made. Um, I just I just felt like this is everything's game to win. They're going to win it. You know, they just, everything was going their way. You know, you've seen Damari Gray making tackles and blocks, which you wouldn't really associate with, you know, with your flair players. Um, it was just one of those games where everything everything was kind of going for them and they were fighting tooth and nail that they kind of deserved to win it. So that when you can get a win like that over the line against one of the top clubs, it, it just breeds confidence into the group. Now they have to build on that and go into the next game and reproduce another performance to get another result. Um, in terms of the title race then, uh, for Liverpool, all of these games are potential banana skins at this point. Some of them are going to be easier and more routine than others. On the face of it, it looked like perhaps at the weekend was going to be one of those banana skins. But again, uh, they managed to make it routine, relatively routine. Yeah, the first half was very comfortable. Obviously, you know, getting the goal. Um, it looked 
you know, fully in control. They just kept the ball. They moved it well. But the start of the second half, you know, I was biting my um, my nails because Liverpool were making so many unforced errors. They weren't keeping possession. Um, they were just inviting Newcastle back into the game. And of course, look, Newcastle, you know, they've been fantastic since, you know, Eddie Howe's turned the corner. Um, you look at the success they've had. What are they up to now? Ninth in the table. Um, so then Newcastle started to huff and puff. And you know, you know, it was there was moments when you did worry, and you were just saying, "Please, can Liverpool just get the second goal to put this game to bed?" But you know, Jurgen obviously made five changes, which shows you what he thinks of you know the Champions League, the second tie, which is obviously tonight. Um, you know, did it, he did use a squad, which was very interesting. Um, you know, you you are tuning a lot, but he did make five changes. But Liverpool got the job done, albeit it wasn't as comfortable in the second half, but. You know, it's three points and they, they they just keep, this machine keeps going. Uh, James Milner obviously made a bit of a rare start at the age of 36, played really well. Jurgen Klopp spoke about his importance after the game. Like you obviously speak to, to Jordan Henderson quite a bit. Have you ever got a sense of how important Milner is, even though, you know, Henderson is captain and uh, Van Dijk obviously is a massive leader in that dressing room. But I presume Milner just, I guess, given the experience that he has, is as important than the lads when it comes to leading that dressing room. Yeah, well, look, it's, I don't want to bring them into it, but United are a great example. You look at the United changing room, you kind of look at the leaders they have in there, and then you compare that to Liverpool. And, like, obviously, as you said there, right, Jordan's captain, James is vice-captain, but then you've got Scottish captain, left-back, you've got the Dutch captain, centre-back, Matip is captain. Okay, Trent, he's not a, you know, he's not a bad lad, he's a good lad, and works hard. Like, I think, then you obviously go to the, say, the front line, like Salas, the Egyptian captain, Mane, the, you know, Senegalese captain. They just have captains everywhere. And it's kind of a changing room that has been built over time with these leaders. But that is, you know, Jordan and James have been, you know, pivotal to that. Um, they are the, the two that kind of lead the group. You know, you, you always look at, even when, you know, Adam Lalana left, if you remember, Jürgen spoke about how... Adam, James and Jordan had kind of ran everything. They had looked after everyone and whatever. They were huge. They are huge characters in that group. Um, and James is no doubt, like, look, it'll be frustrating for him. He's probably, you know, a lad who wants to play every game. Um, he's incredibly fit. He's still, you know, you've seen the performance against Newcastle. He's still well capable of doing a job in, mid, in midfield in the Premier League. But I think he himself and Jordan have this nice dynamic where, you know, they do kind of, run the changing room but then again it's not a, it's probably not a difficult changing room to run because there's so many top professionals who are captains with their international teams that there's this there's this beautiful you know harmony between the group um that they you know they don't let standards slip um i've been fortunate enough to watch training a few times and you just see them all it's, it's they're just on top of one another like training's always at such a high level and that's why they're able to you know over these past few years go to toe to toe at Manchester City um, and that's you know that's testament to the type of lads there What do you expect from the game tonight then? Oh I don't know um, I was very disappointed with Villarreal obviously happy from a Liverpool perspective um, they kind of sat in I think they kind of tried to frustrate Liverpool and try and nick you know goal on the counter attack they never kind of got a grip to the game um, obviously now at home you know, the the old yellow submarine they call it. The fans are going to be out. They're going to have to go and you know try and take Liverpool on. Um, I can't see them doing it in the opening twenty minutes. I can see them probably huffing and puffing and late on the first half, and then second half they're going to have to go for it. 
Um, that should suit Liverpool, certainly in the way they play. Um, they're more than comfortable, at, you know, if a team sits in, keeping the ball, knocking it around. But if a team steps onto Liverpool with the front three, I expect Salah to come, you know, come straight back in tonight. You probably play Mane and Diaz. You know, with those front three, the pace they have, um, the precision, everything, it's just goals there for them. Um, so if Villarreal do come after Liverpool, I can see them being picked off. But you know, Liverpool have obviously been, you know, been able to keep a number of clean sheets across, you know, the Premier League and the Champions League. So it's going to be, it's going to be one of those games. I think that, you know, it's going to be a bit nervy, but I, I do feel Liverpool will score. Um, and I think after the first leg, I think they have that cushion of the two, the two goal lead. So I think they'll be fine. The one thing uh, is that Champions League semi-finals. There's always a little bit of something. Something happens. Like mm-hmm. if you're Villarreal, you want to be agents of chaos, particularly maybe not in the first twenty minutes, but straight away mm-hmm. after that. So like, and with no away goals, uh, you know, I don't really buy into the whole uh, two 0 leads. One of the worst uh, leads in football. But like, I expect something to happen from Villarreal. I expect something. I expect them to try something tonight. Yeah, they will. You, you've no doubt that Unai Emery has a game plan. Um, you could probably see them sitting in and then trying, you know, trying to catch Liverpool with the high line, something along those lines where they're switching balls, um, say from the right side, trying to catch out Trent, who's a you know for, further forward, or likewise the opposite side, try and get in down the sides of them. Um, it'd be interesting to see. I imagine Kanate will probably start with Van Dijk. Um, and then try, that's they've got to do something like that because if they try and go toe to toe passing. We've seen in the first leg, Liverpool's pressing. Um, they just get after players. They're able to win the ball back high up. Um, I, I saw something really interesting uh, recently with Ragnick speaking about you know Liverpool's front three, which at the time would have been Mane, Firmino and Salah. Um, and he said Jurgen's actually turned them into ball-winning forward players. What he means by that is they're actually tackling players. It's not just a case of high pressing where you're, you're forcing your opponent into to an error. They're actually you know tackling players. And it is true that you know, Jürgen has, you know, turned them into, if you look at the amount of tackles that Mane, you know, Diaz, Salah do, um, they win the ball in those high positions. And if Villarreal started, you know, be comfortable and try and build up and play out from the back, then they will get caught because these fellas are just incredible at what they do. And it's just a well-oiled machine that just keeps going. Um, so I expect Liverpool to come through it, but, you know, Villarreal are going to, they're going to make it difficult. You know, they're no mugs. They obviously had great results over Bayern Munich and Juventus and that. Um, the uh, title race then obviously uh, a little bit of pressure on Man City and then the pressure's over really really quickly because they are <laughs> just finding their groove at the moment and finding things pretty easy like this is the concern I, suppo- I suspect if you're a Liverpool fan is that um, you can't really see a case to be made for anybody to stop City on the league front No um, I think I was on a, I don't know, a week or two ago and they, I got asked the same question I just can't see either team losing the Premier League um, that's the truth like I know Liverpool have got Spurs coming up to, which would be seen as probably the most difficult of both sets of fixtures um, I fully expect Liverpool to come through that but like City just they just turn out results you know um, they're just unstoppable like I, I, I said Liverpool are a well-oiled machine so are Man City um, you know look, you look at the resurgence of Jesus the amount of goals he scored in the last few weeks going back to you know when he came back into the team against Liverpool Um they just have incredible squads and, you know, City, you know, it's kind of like, oh, you're going against Leeds, who they don't. I know they beat them 7-0 earlier on the season. They didn't have a good record against Leeds. Um, they'd lost twice and drawn twice in the last, you know, four before the 7-0 victory. 
So it's kind of one of them you're wondering, oh, will it be a tough game? And then City just go and pull them apart. Um, and I, I, I see Manchester City and I I just feel that both teams will end up winning the, you know, the remaining fixtures. And unfortunately, Liverpool will come up short. Uh, if you're Pep, are you doing everything to, to try and appease Gabriel Jesus to make sure he stays at the club or at least don't sell him to a Premier League rival? Oh, um, it's it's an interesting one because the, the timing of it was kind of weird, and then Jesus has kind of come back in and he's been in you know fantastic form. Um, I think Pep has always kind of had a question mark over him as that number nine. Um, it kind of looked at early days that he was a natural progression to Guero, but he simply doesn't score enough goals to be you know in a Guero's category. Um, I know he scored a lot recently, but he started deploying him off wings in different games. Um, obviously, there's the link with Arsenal. I think he'd be a good signing for Arsenal. Um, obviously, then there's the relationship between Pep and Arteta that he might, you know, look after his own mate. Um, I think kind of there's obviously been the talk of Haaland. You know, is he coming? Um, who knows? But I think, I think, I think with Jesus, his race is ran. Um, I really do. I don't think, I think he'll he'll see himself as starting week in week out. Albeit, yeah, he's come in for the last few games, but he knows deep down that, you know, start the next season, whether, you know, City get Haaland or not, he's not going to, you know, turn out 40, 45 games this or next season. So I feel he'll probably want to go, you know, and, and be someone's number nine playing week in, week out. And maybe, you know, Arsenal is the best solution for him. And just one of the other things from the Manchester City game before we let you go, John Giles was on last Thursday night chatting about Rodri and saying that he'd like to see him create a few more goals or be involved in the goals a little bit more and then sure enough after 13 minutes on Saturday he he scores a goal um, it, it's an interesting one David because I guess Giles' perspective on it would be that defensive midfielders there, there should be no problem with them contributing to the attack they should be contributing to the attack but it feels maybe that the, the modern defensive midfielder that's not really their role at all like where, where is the truth in all that? I fully understand where where John is coming from um, certainly in terms of you know, Rodri and the team he plays in, style of play they have. But I I often wonder, you know, why has Pep got him as the six? Why has Pep used him in that role? And what is his role in that team? Um, of course, you could you could highlight probably he should get more assists, um, certainly because City pin teams in. But I think he's he's just there to take them over. I think he's there. Rodri's role in the team, if you look at him, he's very composed. Um, he's very, you know, comfortable on the ball. Um, he almost reminds me of, you know, if you remember Pep's team back in the 2010 era, he's there, Busquets. Um, and obviously Busquets w- was labelled the same thing, doesn't have enough assists, doesn't have enough goals. But I think Pep, Pep doesn't care about him scoring or assisting. I think it's more about his role within the team that he has to be the one who's always available for the ball, who can sustain attacks, who can switch play, who can keep things going. And if, you know, the opposition do win the ball in the counter-attack, Rodri's there to break it up. Um, I understand where he's coming from, that you want your midfielders to score more goals and assists. Obviously, I heard there just before I joined about Declan Rice, that's something that's been labelled at him. Could he score more goals and, you know, assists more? But I look at it that Pep is probably looking, I'm going, you're completely fine in what you're doing. I'm very happy with you. You don't need more goals. You don't need more assists. Um, keep doing what you're doing and look, They've been so successful. Of course, I know they haven't won the Champions League, but certainly in terms of their domestic cups, the Premier Leagues, um, they've been so you can you can cut it up two ways. Like, should the midfielder, should the six be scoring more goals, uh, assisting more? Of course, yeah, you'd like that. But 
inevitably it comes down to what the manager wants and the manager is happy with them because he picks them week in, week out. All right, David Minor, we'll let you go. Thanks a million. Cheers. Cheers, gents. So uh, David Minor giving some thoughts on the weekend's football. What do you expect to happen tonight? Is it routine? Is it routine? No chaos? Like, Champions League semi-finals have traditionally given us some weird, weird stuff. Yeah, there's a reason Villarreal, I guess, sat deep last week. And that's because they know that Liverpool can tear them to shreds. If Villarreal don't do that thing, I think Liverpool have every potential of, of tearing them apart. But you don't know. Like, I mean, you think about the 2006 semi-final, I think Villarreal gave Arsenal a bit of a, a heart attack in that second leg, uh, even though... OK, now, in fairness, the first leg was a bit different to how the, the last week went and there was a, a smaller gap between the teams than there is this time, but... I don't know. There's something about Unai Emery as well. When who was it? We were talking about earlier on Tyrone. We were talking about Fergal Logan coming out and being like, "We're we're we're such a we're in a sorry state." Uh, Unai Emery in Europe, you just have to be a little bit cautious about hit, writing him off completely. But Liverpool are just too good. It's it's all to do with Liverpool. And Liverpool are just too good. Uh, Liverpool are very good at the moment. It's true. But then we get I don't know. Okay. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 